Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I'm Bradley and fresh from being on the high seas for the last week, just so he can get that copy of Frobisher Says saved onto his hard drive, it's Stu. How you doing, Stu? Army Arties, yeah, pretty good. So obviously, you know, cruising the high seas, stealing whatever I can. It's, it's uh, yeah, just I want to take people's money and their possessions. And also there's a joke in there about booty, but we won't go there. No, we, yeah, we're just going gonna to pillage Sony is what we're going to do. And we'll, we'll come to that in yeah. a little bit. Talking of Sony, I've not been playing any Sony games, have you? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't actually this week. I was close to playing the demo of R-Type Final 2, which would have been on a Sony system, which is pretty tenuous, but that was as close as I got this week. And I didn't because I just haven't had the chance. Um, But yeah, no, this week was quite a big one, actually, because as I've been alluding to in little bits over the last few weeks, I've been having a big retro project going on. And mostly <clears throat> mostly is getting stuff in to sell on do up clean up fix up modify whatever and then sell on just to make a bit of cash uh, but I also got some bits in for myself and over a long stretch of time because of various stuff I managed to get a working Sega Saturn Ooh. and that's exciting in and of itself yes. but also I got a Terra Onion mode uh, now a mode is a multi-optical disc emulator, which sounds more complex than it is. It's just a replacement for the CD slash DVD drive in old consoles, so that you uh, don't have to worry about that conking out and uh, spitting its last and spewing toxic smoke into your room, as these things you know can do. Uh, mostly, no, they just fail completely. And I, funnily enough, had a PS One back in the day, and it had that infamous laser problem where the laser bed got wonky and you had to stand it on its side or upside down to make the thing work everyone done that the multi-directional um uh playstation one yeah that's right that's right letting gravity assist you with a high tech piece of you know and your blue tack in there to help you with the pirate games no of course well i had a a chip modded one so i didn't have to bother with the commoner approach (laughs) the flu tack to keep the making it's down and they quickly change the discs at the right time oh those were the days (laughs) yeah 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 no i've done that i've done that in the past yeah but um i yeah i didn't really have a lot of copies for the the ps1 anyway we'll get into all that so it's okay to private sony games completely it's fine exactly (laughs) you're basically a curator now if you if you're doing it so yeah, no, I mean, we'll, we'll get on to all that. But yeah, the the mode is really great. So you just hook it all up inside and you can either stick in a SD card or even a, a, an SSD drive, so a you know, slim hard drive, um, and it just plays games off that and you just stick them all on there. So, but, you know, a huge number of them were ones that I've owned. So the majority of games that I wanted to replay... I've either had a go off, yeah, I've owned and had a go off, or, you know, were one of my favourites. But there's also a few that are not available anymore. And um, I'm not, I I went on a big rant the other week about how uh, I love all games. I'm not, I don't have rose tinted glasses. I'm not, 
you know, I'm, I'm not nostalgic. I just play games that are good. Uh, so I'm not really bothered about owning the hardware. But it's an exception with the Saturn because the emulation for the Saturn has never been good enough for me. Mm. I've, I've used it a lot. And it doesn't matter whether it's Yabbaus or however it's pronounced or SSF. or There's, there's a few, RetroArch. Uh, it's never really got there for me and I've never been happy with it. And um, yeah, so I wanted the original hardware so that it could actually play the games properly and look proper. So that's a long way of saying, yes, I've been playing those and I've been playing specifically Grandia. Now, um, I don't know if, do you, do you know Grandia at all? I do know of Grandia, yeah. Ah, there you go. So yeah, so audience-wise, it's a RPG. It looks a bit like Sega's output, even though it's not a Sega game. And it, yeah, basically, you're, you're a young lad and you end up in, you know, big world-ending potentially situations but the thing the, the thing with Grandia was that it never got a, a release outside of Japan on the Saturn um, and there was a PS1 version but it was he- by all accounts heavily cut down graphically uh, from the Saturn one which is odd because you know obviously the Saturn wasn't as good as the PS1 graphically generally but yeah so what they did was they backported the all the text and menus from the PS1 version onto the Saturn. So you can now play the original and all its glory with full English translation. So nice. that's what I've been doing. That's the mod- the modding community is amazing, aren't they? They really For what they are. can do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of, again, this all fits into um, discussion a bit later. But yeah. yeah, it's the bad reputation they got probably, what, in the early 2000s. Uh, this is why you need modded consoles at times so you can play fan translations of games that you was never able to otherwise play and mm-hmm. uh, things like that. I say I remember struggling through various games with Japanese text and voiceover and not having a clue what I was doing but still just appreciating the mechanics. So to be able to play something like Grandia, which I'm fairly sure I, I did play in Japanese for some reason. I'm sure someone I knew had a Saturn. Uh, they had a, like, a Japanese Saturn, and that was one of the games they had with it, and we tried playing through it. But to be able to play that, fully realise, yeah, that, that's yeah, that's special. It is, yes, yeah. Um, so, very briefly on the game, because most people who were interested will have yeah, looked for it, so I won't, I won't go on about it much. But, yeah, basically it's a traditional RPG, and the, the thing that makes it stand out is... Um, it's very very attractive game for the time. Very colourful. It looks like some some stuff like I don't know, sort of, sort of like Xeno Gears or Magic Knight Ray Earth in terms of you know that colourful kind of uh, quite visually impressive kind of style. It's more cartoony and less sort of much less anime, much less kind of spiky haired, you know, androgynous stuff of the Final Fantasy style and much more towards yeah, regular cartoonish, cutesy, uh, bobble-headed kind of characters. But yeah, no, the, the, the standout with it is that the story's really good. And it's all really interesting and it's sort of low-key at the moment, but it's really good fun and the dialogue is actually witty and you actually care about the characters and that's so important and so off, often overlooked in in. Japanese RPGs or the way that they're translated to us. So yeah, I've really been enjoying that. It's been a pleasure so far. Yeah, so that's it really. So it's been really great, really enjoying it. Quality title. So have you been able to play anything yourself? 
I've played two games. Whoa. Two new Whoa. games as well. I know. Um, so, um, actually, before before I get on to it, I just want to point out as well, in my time being off, Edith's been playing more and more video games. Um, and she started picking up Smash Brothers. Um, and it's been brilliant watching her discover Super Smash Brothers. She's maining as Pikachu at oh. the moment. <laughs> But because why not? I do anyway. I, I I love fighting with Pikachu on Smash Brothers. Um, but she's sitting there, and the other night she's playing. She's playing away, and all you hear from her is, oh, "Jesus, he's killing me!" <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then and then a bit later she goes, "Oh my gosh, I've got a mystery character." <laughs> I was like, oh my god. I just love listening to her play. It's like the joy in her voice. I wish I could go back to that sometimes. Yeah, that's superb. Also, the fact that she's happy to occasionally drop the F-bomb, but she says gosh instead of God. That's impressive. I like that. To be fair, she does swear as well. Exactly. She does swear. like she, so she, she swears like a sailor on the high seas. Oh, it's all linking, isn't it? Yeah, that's superb. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've been playing two games um one of them is don't take this as an official review of it because i don't know when embargo is but i'm going to talk a bit about it anyway um is say no more um which is an intriguing little game it's a one button game no sort of um where you sort of like an on it's it's almost an on rail shooter where the idea is, as soon as someone asks you a question, you've got to say no to them. And you kind of go through this predetermined path. You've got these, like, it starts off, like, in this office building. These co-workers come up to you going, oh, make me a cup of tea. You go, no. Um, file this paperwork. No. I need you to fax this. No. And it's got, it's just like this really quirky, funny little game, uh, which should be rubbish, in all all intents and purposes, it should be absolutely rubbish. But it's so fun. So you start off, and the idea is you're an intern at this company. <clears throat> and you kind of, you, you press the button, the main button in the game, and your character just, just goes, because huh, 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 they can't say anything. And you get, like, your supervisor comes in and goes, <clears throat> to get ahead in this company, just say yes to everything. Yes, yes, yes. Looks at you and goes, I want your lunchbox. And we know what we say to that. Um, and you're, like, kind of just like, oh, yeah, I've got, got to follow the rules. And then you go and kind of sit at your desk and you put on a self-help tape. And this self-help tape teaches you to say no. And then you kind of go through, like, these things to say people come and ask you to do various jobs and you go, no, no. And then you get a... There's bosses in this game, like actual, like they are bosses, but they're like 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 computer game based bosses as well. And you say no to the boss, and it's like, no, you can't defeat me. Which I say, no, I'm I'm your boss. Um, so you kind of get pushed back. You get your self help tape again. You play it, and the self help guys, like typical sort of like fitness guru type for big muscles and over the top positiveness goes oh if you want to destroy those who can't just say no to you've got to you've got to make them lose their confidence at the same time try laughing at them and then you've got another button that allows you to press um, to start laughing at different people okay so you go back and you go ha 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 you laugh it but he goes oh no my confidence and you then go no and he goes ah runs away and then you get this weird cut scene that goes from it where they go into like um the like the boards uh like the ceos and everything are there 
and you go in there and they go, oh, intern, do this. And you go, no. And they're like, what? Disobedience in our company? We won't stand for this. And the supervisor comes in, gets fired, and you get the um, the supervisor role. And when it goes, will you take the supervisor role? You go, no. And they go, oh, that's what we like to see, <laughs> assertiveness. <laughs> and it's just really sad. it builds up from there and then you've got to use a combination of your different like no and making them lose confidence and there's loads of slight caveats to that as you go and it's just really 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 silly and you're not going to play it more than once it loses its humor i think if you play it a second time but i sat there it's a one but i initially thought well, i'll give it a go it's a one button game pretty much so if i can't see it i can just like hammer my way through it but, oh, it's really fun. Just really, really fun. It's out on Switch and PC, possibly the other consoles, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, just really enjoyable ludicrousness. Like, a proper, like, uh, you know, you know those, like, low random games, the, like, Goat Simulator and all that? Yeah. It's like yeah. one of those, but with actual humour, um, rather than just going, oh, look at physics. Aren't physics silly? Uh, yeah, just trying to coast by on its premise yeah. sort of thing. And this yeah. is what it's doing. In a way, but it works, and it's just, it's funny. Uh, Really, really funny and enjoyable for the time you're with it. So, yeah, let's say no more. That sounds really cool. Yeah, so that's like, say no, exclamation mark. More. More, Yes, isn't it? Yeah. And rough, do you know roughly how much it's going to cost? I think it's about a tenner. Right. I think. Right. Yeah. Which some people might go, ooh, a tenner for just a one-note game. I get that. But I'm telling you now, it's probably more fun than paying 60 quid for Marvel's Avengers. Just saying. Or Anthem. Or The Division. Paying to have your yeah. junk squished is, is more fun than yeah. doing that. So, uh, so it, it, I mean, some people might look at it and go, oh, tenner. Oh, but no, it, it's definitely... You'll get a tenner's worth of entertainment out of it um, easily. Well, that sounds pretty good. Um, I think, you know, ten might be too steep for me as an entry point. But I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I, I, I mean, with pricing, it's all very calculated, isn't it? It's like, you know, you put it in at what it's worth, and it's probably worth £10 because of the amount of effort that the the guys have put into it. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that the audience wants to pay that because no. market dictates what people think the value of things are. Yeah. But there are things out there that have half an hour, one hour's worth of entertainment that I'll immediately slap £10 down for, you know, if it's in my wheelhouse. So... Yeah, no, it all depends on what you're into and what you're willing to pay. But I think when that when it hits a sort of around a, I don't know, six pounds mark, that's something I might jump in on at that point. It's also perfect Game Pass fodder. Um, absolutely perfect for Game Pass. Um, and I see it sort of within the year, possibly, being on a humble bundle, uh, like a humble choice bundle, a sort of gated extra traction there. But yeah, I... I absolutely love it you know it could be a bit of a sleeper hit in all fairness it's one of those you know you're not going to be considering it at the end of the year for game of the year awards but you'll you'll remember it fondly for sure as you're doing it you're going oh does it sneak into my top 10 oh it's funny it's funny but does it make it and it's one of those but it's not one of those you're instantly dismissing either it's yeah it's just a one definitely a one hit game uh, I say, you play it, you're done, you recommend it, you won't touch it again, but you'll remember it with such fond memories. And that's so important, because if you think about, like, let's use Godzilla versus Kong as an example. So there's loads of people who've paid a lot of money to watch that, and there'll be 
5%, 10% of people who will remember any real details from it in a year's time. Whereas you can drop a tenner on this and when somebody asks you, what's a, a game that really stuck out for you? You'll go, oh, well, it's this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd, so, yeah, value. By that time, you'll probably be able to get it for peanuts as well. Yes, and then they're charging the the right market value, 10 quid, at point of release was the right thing to do because yeah. the right audience will have gone to it at that point and then the wrong audience, if you want to call them that, will have picked it up when it's cheap. So yeah, hopefully it works. But it also, it also leads to moments where you can do this. So Stu, ask me if I'd recommend the game. Would you recommend the game? No! <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, there's plenty of that. Um, also, I want them to win an award because I want them, instead of going up to accept an award, if you're allowed in crowds at that time, would be to go and just go, no, and yeah. just walk off without yeah, the award. Yeah. That'd be, That'd so be amazing. In, in fact, Jeff Keighley, if you're listening, I know you listen, Jeff. Okay, I know you listen. Give them an award at the end of the, the, end, the, end of the year and that's going to happen. Please make it happen, Jeff. That would be so good. <laughs> really it would. would. Uh, the other game I've been playing been really enjoyed i played it uh, using the steam leak which i finally got to try out after eight weeks now is monster truck championship right played it on the xbox series um just to see what it was like and everything like that because we got it for review um just for clarity and i played it on there yep looks fine uh, but it's on a small screen in my son's room so i thought i've also got this on pc so i think i got it as part of a racing bundle on humble bundle or something like that as well so i thought, oh I'll i can play the maiden and mechanics on the big tv that way oh my god it's a really good game i was expecting something to be do you remember the old like truck racing games or ford racing games you used to get on the pc in the mid 2000s oh i know of them i never played them but yeah i know i know of them yeah they were the the box shots they had like on the back they'd really gone to town with making those look super realistic and really good to to play and then you played them they were just bang average um at best well that's what i assume this might be i thought it's gonna look really good the concept sounds really good like a semi-realistic uh monster truck game i'm all for that because all the arcadey ones in the past like your monster jams and that i've always wanted to like them but they've always been crap um, it's over the top physics and it's like yeah okay it's like but you've not got the arcade part right but anyway so i'll give it a go it's guys semi-realistic so why not I've, i mean nakon obviously got some bad press over the last um few months because of um sinking city i think it is or dry drowning one of the two that they've had issues with the developers with um but on my side you know they've brought out stuff like handball and stuff like that which has been really entertaining to play flawed but decent games yeah i remember you talking about that one yeah and yeah. uh, this is definitely one of those it's flawed to a, de- a minor degree but really decent so monster trucks i believe in real life um have four-wheel control or uh, two, uh, two-axis control so you control your front axis and your rear axis independently of each other I and mean, that's how they do those like really fast donuts and stuff like that okay and apparently most monster truck games haven't had this in it's kind of simulated that to a degree whereas this has got it it's got it in there that you've got to control both axes separately and you go through a tutorial which tells you how to drive, how to stop, how to do various little tricks and stuff like that. And they feel controlled and not over the top or anything like that. So I'd say this is more like the skate 
to uh, Monster Jam's Tony Hawk in that respect. And then it's kind of structure-wise, it's a lot like Wreckfest in terms of the both the menu layout and the the way it progresses through events and stuff like that. But everything's very grounded and it just works so so well. I don't know if you, I, I'm assuming I'm going to assume back in your youth days you watched some monster trucks on like 80s TV. Yeah, I mean, I brushed up against them that. a little bit. <laughs> that's about it. But yeah, um, what was that? Big, what was the big blue Bigfoot. one? Bigfoot. That's Bigfoot, it. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> it's Big, Bigfoot and Gravedigger. And, uh, none of these were officially licensed in this game, by the way. I think Monster Jam has the official license. But yeah, it's kind of like you'd see them do things like they could sort of like tip over, but bounce back up and they could do sort of like move on to their side and do donuts while they're on the side and do other donuts, wheelies, jumps and stuff like you could do all of that in the game. And you do get sort of like score multipliers and things and there's outright races as well. But it's just a really decent game, proper mid-tier. It's the equivalent of eating... Of literally going, oh, do you know what I really fancy for lunch? A crisp sandwich. That's what Monster Truck Championship is. It's a right. crisp sandwich of video games. Gotcha. Where you kind of go, like, if you're thinking specifically about, mm, what do we have? What, what shall we have for a nice dinner this week? And you're going, you're never going to be thinking about a crisp sandwich. And it's the same. You're not going, right, I want a new video game. What shall I buy? You're not going Monster Truck Championship. But sitting there on your computer or your Xbox or PlayStation, or, or, or whatever, is you go, mm, do you know what, I'm peckish, crisp sandwich it is, or mm, do you know what, just for 10 minutes, monster trucks. <laughs> it's um, weird how games have changed so much, because in the past there were just good games and crap games, and maybe like games that, that were crap that you'd play anyway, just because they were all you had. Uh, but now there's like there's basically a game style or a game type for pretty much every mood, every amount of time you've got in your life, you know. <laughs> the mid-tier's back. Yeah, mid-tier is back, and that's bloody good stuff. The, the 360 PS3 and even the like the PS... Uh, I'd say the early to mid-PS4 and Xbox One era, we had 10 out of 10 games were good. <laughs> basically, if a, if a game was playable or it was meant to be sort of like a great a game that you should play, it was anywhere between 9 and 10. That 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 was the yeah. barometer. Yeah. Eight was your average game. Anything below seven, just, oh, no, that's the worst game ever. Um, whereas now we seem to have hit the scales again of going, do you know what? It's okay to play a six out of ten game. Um, and this is what this is, six, a six out of ten game. It's an average game, but it's fun. Yeah. And good, because the big AAA releases, I'm sorry, they've been shot. Oh, yeah, God, that's a conversation in and of itself. There's hardly anything yes. that's been out... There's even blipped on my radar for months. Yeah, how are you doing, your shiny U PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X? Loads to play. Oh, what, what you mean? You're playing last-gen games on them still because that's all there is worth playing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I don't have that. Game great. Yeah. I don't have those, but I've, my PC's more than capable. But yeah. there's, yeah, just nothing. Nothing that I want. Nothing I fancy. Nope. Yeah, I'm sitting there playing old hardware. Now it is on the Switch. And I'm looking at upcoming releases and I'm going, yep, okay, I'm all for that. You know, I'm looking at the Switch. Fall Guys is coming, which I know is not for everyone, but I'm looking forward to that because my daughter really wants it. And also, I've covered it on the site before, but a game called Ember, which is like a Deliveroo Uber-style game, but for firefighters. 
which is again it's another quite funny game but we absolutely love playing that together that's coming to the switch um gonna be playing that obviously you've got your monster hunter rises say no more um that astrologaster that i talked about last week oh there's like loads of good stuff on i existing hardware um and for me i was originally going oh, i was gutted i couldn't get a playstation oh, i was gutted i couldn't afford a series x i'm looking at it now and going all right yeah i'm happy loving that. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's absolutely fine so keep old hardware can't we sony yeah on Astrologaster, yeah, the the devs retweeted our tweet out about the podcast, so they picked up on it, which was nice. Excellent, that's good to know. It's good. I'm gave gave them even. I know we've got the not the biggest of audiences, but hope it gave them maybe just at least maybe a couple of extra eyes on the game uh, because it definitely deserves yeah. it. Yeah. Um. So, um. If they've continued to listen, hello, developers. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do next. <laughs> Nayam Yam, I think they're called. Yeah, good name. I like it. Well, even after the um, the political uprising and like, the coup there and everything. That's Myanmar. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, not to confuse the two. Really sorry, developers. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I bet they're sitting there going, oh, bloody hell, someone's made that joke again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish that I wish that doctor had shoved his eye with the chandelier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you been playing anything else? Probably, but I can't really remember. I had a quick go on a game called... I'll make sure I get this right. I think it's Avenging Spirit on the Game Boy. So, mm. you'll remember I was saying that I, I got a, an old Game Boy, got a new screen in it, and I've been playing, you know, been playing lots of Game Boy stuff. And I've been kind of touching on them and making sure they're still worth playing today because some of them haven't aged that well. And Avenging Spirit sort of falls into that kind of that kind of slot really because it's really good but there's a lot of quality of life stuff missing that kind of puts you off so it's a platform action game with the wrinkle being that you are a ghost you're a spirit and you inhabit other people's bodies and you know that's not a, a brand new thing in gaming but it's not been used that many times i think the most famous one was probably something like was it called divinity or something you, you like a little cherry i'm guy bought a soul reaver it's the one I've or psyops and stuff like that. The ones I really immediately go to. Yeah, psyops. I was going to mention. Yeah, mm. Soul Reaver. I forgot. You don't take. Do you take over other characters with that? I'm sure you do. I'm yeah. sure there's a bit of that. In, it's Legacy of Cade, isn't it? And it's the Soul Reaver, which right. is a semi, a quasi sequel to Legacy. I don't know, but I'm sure there's some um, possession stuff going on in there as well. Yeah, yeah, crops up now and again. Yeah, that one. That, the one that I remember is that cherub there's like a, you're a cherub and you take over yeah. and it's yeah divinity Divin- that one it I is think, divinity yeah. Oh, yeah cool yeah i thought it was so it's like those but you know it's in a much more arcadey platform 2d style uh and yeah that side of it's good the action itself is all right but the platforming is horrible oh just like really dodgy pixel pixel perfect jumping and just you know your jump style changes from character to character so it's harder to get in the rhythm of the bad jumping anyway so it's got loads of really good ideas plus a a side order of crappy execution so um i had it had about an hour on that but i don't know if i'll be able to go back to it to be honest that's right. So the question i have with games like that when we look back at games like that where you kind of play you go oh we we let them get away with so much back then because you just basically you you pay for the game and 
trading wasn't exactly a major thing and so you gave it the benefit of the doubt so a game like that where you go there's some good ideas but actually oh my god it's it's aged badly remake would you welcome a remake of it absolutely i think it's absolutely crying out for one because you could there's all sorts that you could do because almost reminiscent in a little way of stuff like um psycho fox and uh mm. magical fine hat you know um in that how you navigate changes slightly but significantly also you know wonder boy 3 as well so you know you you get a different character with slightly different jump ability and hit range and stuff like that and hit boxes as you go along and mm. doing the environment in that way is almost sort of pre-metroidvania and it, it's more simplistic but it's similar so you get a similar kind of thrill from redoing bits or doing bits with different abilities so i think there's loads of scope for for a remake on that i'd love to see it and if it fixed the jumping you know timing pixel perfect issues then i'd, I'd be buying it day one i think yeah i can imagine that with nice hand-drawn animations and stuff like that sounds like it could be good well there you go you see someone make that the Myanmar developers, they can make it. <laughs> yeah, those guys. Totally out of their wheelhouse, you know, because they made a, a visual novel type thing. But no, go, off you go, make it. I'll give you permission. Awesome. That, that's where I am. I'm the lord of the indies. Yeah, well, you kind of are in a way. Yeah. Or just a peon toiling in the fields. Yeah. <laughs> So, new feature, Stu, before we move on. Um, yes. People have actually communicated with us via the, the magical medium of email. What is this email of which you speak? It was made from E-Man, the Cockney, uh, super, uh, Cockney <laughs> guy from Greyskull. Oh, that's superb. I'm just pic- picturing him now wearing, you know, the Pearly King's outfits. Oh, E-Man. As if E-Man couldn't, couldn't get any gayer. Yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd be brilliant. That'd be amazing. He, was he ever a gay icon though, He Man? Don't know. If he wasn't, he blooming well should have been. I mean, bronzed. Oh yes. Blonde hair, ripped. I mean, I, I get why the why the why the ladies like him. I'm never confused. <laughs> um, some Al Murray there again. Such I'm, strange, such strange feelings going through the brain. Yes. Yeah. And wait, what, what was the relationship with his sister? Did they take that from Star Wars? Is that a bit <laughs> too close? I don't know. Yeah. And that weird film, Orko, as well. That, that uh, was yeah. Weird. I love that design, though. Yeah. But anyway, this um, is going quite off the email track, I think. Isn't yes. It? Yes. Uh, so by the power of Grace Gold, let's listen to what messages we've had. I know one of them anyway, so I'll let you read it and give the abuse. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, the first email ever. This is from Brad's partner, Lo, Lorraine. And it says, Stu is the calm to Bradley's storm. Stu has a wonderful soothing voice and really should tell Bradley to shut up more and let him speak or edit it so he doesn't talk as much. So what do you think of that? Joke's on you, Lo, because you don't know how much he edits it down. It's, um, there's a lot more talking than that and I can give you the hard copy. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's it's uh it's very well balanced. I, I like the fact that that some people have said I've got a soothing voice. That's nice, but yeah, no, I I feel like I, I talk enough. I don't feel like I'm over <laughs> like overfaced by you or anything. So if anyone's concerned, then don't worry. I, I feel represented. 
We are like the uh, the English Jay and Silent Bob, but without the drugs or misogyny. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I want to keep some drugs in my life. <laughs> well, I need insulin, so I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't think. I don't think I'm dealing it out the front of a convenience store, though. So you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm fat enough either. Uh, more towards the Kevin Smith end that he is now than he was when he was Silent Bob. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm definitely more Jason Mewes than I am. Uh, calm and, and revert, reserved absolutely <laughs> but without the heroin habit yeah yes and uh, yeah you've not you not offered to make a new uh, motion picture to help me sort of like recover from my drugs habit so you know well I'm just still trying to get the funding surprisingly there aren't that many investors <laughs> no no if you want to fund the, the the Brad and Silence Stew movie then you can do so on Patreon <laughs> yeah please do I would love to do that Oh uh, yeah, just, uh, it'd be awful. It'd have to be straight to YouTube job. We're not going to try and release that as a an actual field because that'd be stupid. But a YouTube job, exactly. I'm saying like that's actually going to happen. There's there's the ADHD. I've got that in my mind. Going, oh, that could actually happen. There, it's not going to happen. Well, I've got a script already. I'm I'm the bored housewife, and you're the plumber who comes to the door. And uh, yeah, we can go from there. No, no, that's just that's just the uh, the, the 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 movie you watched last night, Stu. <laughs> home videos yes home yeah. videos <laughs> nice yeah. anyway, so thank you yeah. thank, thank you for the uh the the uh the uh, compliments low to Stu. one day you'll compliment me maybe mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks low that's great the next one is from brent and he asks uh thoughts on game preservation specifically from the big three ah now this is a huge topic this week so obviously uh, over to you for what Sony have been doing, Brad. Well, that's... I mean, that wasn't even planned. So, cause, because this is how professional we are. Um, I only mentioned to Stu to check for emails just before we started recording. And about two minutes ago, he was going, oh, I can't actually get into him to read them. So we had to do a bit of scrambling around. So we didn't even plan that. So that's nice timing. Thank you, Brent. That's cool. Game preservation, especially from the big three, is... It, it's, it's, got to happen more it's it's something that's got to be important um and i don't care how they do it but you've got to be able to get access to a platform holders back catalog at all times it would be nice to have third party games but i get why licensing and stuff like that can be an issue if you are a nintendo a sony a microsoft your games as long as you are a platform should be available that's it. Now, all three have got their issues. And Nintendo's are... They just charge you through the nose for them again. Um, but at least you can still play them again. Okay, they've got the uh, the online... Uh, like SNES Online and the NES uh, Online thing. Now, that's, that's great. Um, and it is an option. But you can pretty much, in some fashion, get most Nintendo-published games again with the odd exception same with microsoft i would love them to actually get project off and racing back on the store so you can get that but on the whole most of their stuff is available through backwards compatibility again before anyone at me there are exceptions i know however every few years sony decide to they reach the top for whatever reason they take way too much cocaine and they fall from grace 183 
Sony exclusives or something, I believe, are now consigned to the bin, the history books. I might be slightly out on the number, but it's a ridiculous number of Sony exclusives that are going to be no longer legally playable. And yeah, that's a disgrace. It is disgraceful that that is even a thing. It is. My argument is, with some of it, PS1, PS2, fine. I get it. Disc only. If you can find a way of emulating the disc or rebuilding the hardware or getting your hardware fixed, the option's there still to play them. I get that to a degree. But when we're now getting to 100-odd digital-only exclusives, then that is where we've got to start questioning what's morally right with game preservation. James Stephanie Sterling talked about this uh, last week, I think it was, and basically said, do you know what? It's morally okay to pirate Sony's games. Jokingly said, doesn't matter if it's the old ones or even everything they bring out from now on, just pirate it, because at some point, you're not going to be able to play it. And there was a semi-joke in there, but I agree. Um, If you know that at some point they are going to shutter access to that game and make it impossible to get, then what's the point? Those games hold no value anymore. And from a game preservation point of view, the only way to keep them is to pirate them. Yep. And yeah, it's... You know, we're not talking sort of games that are like decades old here. You know, we're looking at stuff like um, Rain on on the uh, on the PS3, which was a very underrated game. Came out right at the end, digital only on the PS3's life, uh, just before the PS4 came out, and didn't get, I think, the attention it deserved. Again, a flawed game, but still really enjoyable. Um, and I was surprised it never saw a bit of a PS4 re-release, but. No one's going to get to play that unless they rush out to buy it. And no one's rushing out to buy Rain. Sony's argument's going to be, well, no one's buying these games. Who wants to play old games and and stuff like that? But people do. It's why we have nostalgia. It's why the retro market is still so bloody big. People do want to go back to those. And when you're producing thousands of games a year, People might not get to a game released in, say, 2012 until 2022, 2024, 2025 or something. They might not get to see that and go, oh, do you know what? Yeah, I remember hearing about that. I'll play that now because there's a bit of a dip or or they've played for everything they really fancy. But you're not going to... Gaming's not the same as it was. You're not going, right, here are the immediate sales. What can we get from it? And then that game's gone. Now, I think there's a lot more long, you know, look at Among Us as an example. Came out, I think, 2019, possibly even 2018. Didn't do well, but saw a a renaissance in 2020 due to pandemic and everything. And has now just gone from strength to strength. So there is, shows you that, and it's not just a new thing, it happens in different times. You know, I spoke about Monster Truck Championship. Yes, we got code because that went on to the, uh, got a, a next-gen console upgrade but it's still a game that released a little while back and is now you know I, I've, I think they spoke about it on Giant Bomb as well we're speaking about it I know other outlets have spoken about it so maybe not the same sort of renaissance that Among Us has but it's getting more attention now months after its original release so 
game preservation is vital, and for Sony to shut her down like they have is an utter, utter disgrace, especially on the PS Vita as well, which is not even a decade old. Yes, it's it's a travesty. And I think, you know, a good way of putting it into perspective might be to say, if, you, if there's an opportunity to play a game, it will get played. If there's no opportunity to play a game, it will never get played. You know, so having it available, me, you know, the one way Sony guarantee that those things that they don't think have any value to, is to to make them have no value is to remove them. Mm. Uh, but of course, they do have value, and people do want to play them. Now, part of it is like it, it's just, it's hubris. It's, it's a terrible thing. I mean, the worst thing is that these lessons should have been learned. So you've got like the BBC in the sixties and seventies; they just kept re-recording over their old film. So you have whole swathes of stuff like of cultural history, like Top of the Pops and Doctor Who episodes and things like that that are completely gone, you know, because there were, there's no home recording at the time. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're gone forever. Uh, can't be, you know, well, maybe the odd person will find a reel that they've stolen yeah. from uh, the BBC. Probably some left. 70 stuff has gone from the BBC, though. So, well, yeah. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no. So... Yeah, and there's that lesson, and there's the lesson of, you know, the the likes of Scorsese and Coppola uh, with film had to lobby hard to have a preservation society for uh, for film. And to preserve film, all you need to have is the right environment and one one negative, and you're golden. And people would happily stick them in their loft if you asked them to. And yet, you know the likes of Paramount and Sony were just chucking stuff away and just treating it like garbage. And whole swathes of film history were being lost. Uh, And to a degree, that's still a problem. If it wasn't for the likes of people ripping stuff and putting it up on YouTube or keeping it at home on the hard drive, all of this stuff would be lost to history. And the stuff that the companies talk about as piracy, i.e. taking money out of the mouths of the creators... Well, that's the argument that they make. Of course, it's not. It's taking the money out of the the mouths of the publishers who exploit the creators. The but that's another argument. Yeah. yeah. But um, if you even if you go with the argument that it's taking the money out of the mouths of creators, that's one tiny proportion, because it's been proven that if people have uh, easy and quick access to paid content, that they will pay it. People don't mind. They will do that. Um, It's only when things become difficult, awkward, sequestered, too expensive, made difficult in some way or other due to format or anything like that or the way that it's transmitted, that's when people will pirate it in inverted commas because don't, you know, whether it's piracy or not is is another matter. But yeah, if people weren't ripping this stuff when it was available, then it wouldn't be available anymore in the future. And you know, you think, oh well, and to go back to Godzilla versus Kong, oh well, they're never going to get rid of Godzilla versus Kong. You know, and there'll be people out there. I loved that film. You know, and then something happens. You know, the the director falls out with the studio, or the studio falls out with the distributor, or it's not making enough money, and you can't get Godzilla versus Kong, and then that's gone. Yeah. So there's a real importance to to grabbing this stuff especially when there are very few physical copies of things being produced anymore 100% now just a couple of bits from that is um so 
on the gaming side, we've got um, the Ninja Gaiden collection coming out on whatever consoles is coming out on. I can't really remember. But on one of them, we're getting like the updated versions on two of the games. But on one of them, it's only the original version, not the improved version, because they lost the source code for the original version, which shows that yeah. you can't always trust the, the rights holders to handle it properly. Um, and it's the same with with film as well. Um, you said about um, when they make it easier and more accessible for people, people will pirate it less. Um, the only film of late that I've looked at and gone, you're right, I'm going to pirate that because screw you, Disney, was Mulan. Um, I didn't in the end because apparently it was a god-awful um, attempt at a live-action version of the film. <laughs> and yeah it's the only reason i looked at was when you can't charge me for disney plus and then charge me another 20 quid on top that's just stupid you're getting enough money in the fund this through your through your subscription service anyway um uh, but i've you know there's so much stuff where i'm willing to go now do you know what i'm gonna wait for it to hit netflix or i'll wait for it to hit now tv there's a few bits on like sky originals that i really want to watch and whereas in the past, I, d- I wouldn't want to pay for Sky, so I'd be going, oh, do you know what, I'm going to try and find a way of pirate in that using news groups or something. Now I'm going, right, once we've caught up with all the bits we want on Netflix and, and stuff like that, we'll pay for a couple of months of Now TV Entertainment Pass and just go through a few bits on Sky because it's easy and it's preserved there. If all of a sudden they start not preserving it there, then I'll have no choice but to pirate. And it's the same with games pirates are the ones who are doing the preservation work and it's it's needed it really is needed more now more than ever yeah so i did have a little think and go so sony's argument for doing this is the psp the ps vita and the ps3 stores are built on old infrastructure and are holding back them progressing forward so if sony were to turn around and go, look, we need to build a new structure. We've got to do this. So what we're going to do is we are going to have to take down these digital-only games. We've got to do it to be able to do this. However, what we will do, we will find a way of making them re-accessible again in X amount of months or years when this work is all completed, and we'll get them back in some form. Or... What we will do, we because these are out on our side with our games, Sony published games where we still got the the rights and everything. With these ones, whatever system they were out on, we will provide them on disc for those games. Like you have to order them, and we will press them as you want them. Just something that allow people to get access to them, even if you say it's only on original hardware, because that's acceptable. Because that's the only way you could play them anyway. A lot of these games. So do something. Don't just go, ah, we want to move forward so we're getting rid. You you can't do that. Imagine if you couldn't watch Citizen Kane anymore. Just imagine if you couldn't watch Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Um, now, you know, Casablanca hasn't aged well, but so, so be it. But they're important films. If you couldn't get access to those, where do the next generation of filmmakers get inspiration from? Because I don't want a generation where they're going, well, we've lost the old film, so uh, I'm just going to watch Scary Movie 3 for my inspiration. No, Tar. Yeah, precisely. So, yeah, Yeah. it's vitally, vitally important.
I, I think Sony... No, see, if this was Microsoft, they'd backtrack on this straight away. You could see it because they've, they've shown that if you pressurise Microsoft, they go, yeah, okay, we were wrong. The consumers wanted this. Look at how quickly they backtracked over the Xbox Live price increase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they went, yeah, we completely misread the room. We're sorry. Prices are staying as they are. By the way, we're also now making all the free-to-play games actually free-to-play so you don't need gold. You should have done that ages ago. So... Precious, but Sony don't. They they go well. No, we're digging our heels in. Um, the whole backwards compatibility thing. They kind of done a little bit with it, but they didn't really move. They dug their heels in and went, no, nope, people don't want to play old games because they look ancient. Behave. Um, I I hope there's enough pressure put on Sony that they bring these games back in some fashion, um, even if they're streamed. Um, yeah. At this point. I'd go stick them on PlayStation now as streamable only. It's something at least. Yeah, yeah. I think the final thing I have to say on it is, yeah, that that preservation and piracy and all that they're all interconnected, but they're not exactly the same. And as pl- uh, lots of places, lots of you know content producers or platforms are moving more and more towards streaming and towards you know, having things transmitted rather than, you know, having hard copies, that the chances of losing stuff is much higher than it ever was. And I think it's far more important that that things are retained and kept. And I would just say, you know, from my point of view, pay for something if you can. If you if you want to rewatch or watch something that you don't have the opportunity to do and you can't pay for it anywhere, then I honestly i think that you should be able to to have that available but anyway my point of view doesn't matter if you don't agree that's fine i I see both sides but yes the preservation is vitally important and no matter what we do as consumers there's a responsibility on the the producers of these things to retain the original stuff so that it's always there and preserved 100 and with films tv books music they're all so easy to actually preserve yourself. Because if you've got the right software, you can get a copy of that. Somewhere, you know, I want to see... There's a film I absolutely adore called Series 7, The Contenders, which I think I spoke about before on our sister podcast. Yep. Where apes and reality shows and sort of like modern society, and I think it's very prevalent today. Now, that's you can't get hold of it anywhere. There's still, you know, you can maybe get it on eBay if you're lucky as a random disc, um, but you can't stream it anywhere. But I do know if I really put the effort in somewhere, that's been preserved. Maybe on archive.org, maybe if I was, I don't know, whatever line wire is these days, I haven't got a clue, um, or the news groups, I'd be able to get it. Uh, but I can't get it officially. But I know someone would have recorded that, and it's somewhere. Films, music, TV, you can do all that. Games, you can't. You can't play a recording of a game. And again, it's why I think long plays on YouTube are such a great idea, because someone might not want to play Rain or Frobisher says or or Killzone Mercenaries or or, or um, Loco Roco or anything like that, for example. But they might be able to watch a long play of it and get what it was. So those are vital as well. So again, I think anyone who's got those games 
hey, you do decide to play for it. Do a long play of it. Just do a stream of you playing it and things like that and save that. There are other ways because, I mean, if, again, if the publishers aren't going to do it, we've got to find ways of doing it. And privacy is one way. The other way is just we need footage of those games um, so they're not lost to just, like, old men talking about those games in, in 50, yes. 60 years' yeah. time. Precisely. Yeah, 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, that's it. That's a brilliant question, Brent. Thank you very much. And if you all, if anyone wants to get involved, either what's your opinions on this? Are we all, are we filthy scum for the way we promote privacy in this respect? Um, let us know. Do you think Stu's got a soothing voice and that he's better than me? Or do you like listening to me go on and on and on and on and on and on? Then get involved. Give us questions. Give us feedback. Podcast at mentalhealthgaming.com. That is podcast at mentalhealthgaming.com. And this is where I'd be quiet and pass over to Stu. Yeah, so there's just one thing I wanted to mention on a very serious topic. And I'm not joking, it's genuinely serious. Before we left, and if you remember the conversation uh, that we had the other week about misogyny and murder in the UK and, and you know, the Everard case. Mm. And I mentioned that, yes, one of the unfortunate things is that this is happening all the time and it's very often, 99% of the time, it's when you know, middle-class white women are are impacted that it becomes a news item. And I wanted to say that I saw something yesterday. It just happened to somebody I follow on TikTok who's who's really good, very politically aware. And she was saying that um, when she was talking about the Met Police involvement in, uh, you know, pursuing cases and things, mentioned uh, a lady called Blessing or Lasergun or or, or Lesergun, who's um, a lady who was murdered recently and her basically circumstances and situation were very similar to the Everard case but there was nothing about it anywhere and you know she's a a person of colour and her situation has been erased and there's been lots since since that case just a few weeks back there's been a lots of people saying well excuse me you know my family member was murdered mine has disappeared we've had nowhere near the level of attention or care that's been provided either by, you know, condolence or commiseration or by investigation. So, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that that's still a very disgusting thing. And it's unfortunate that I was so right about it. It's something I don't want to be right about, but unfortunately I was. And, uh, yeah, we, we have a responsibility as a society to to make sure that everybody who faces these awful things gets an equal level of help and attention so that they get some justice and also that we can prevent it happening ever again. 100%, absolutely 100%. And, yeah, it's... You almost dealt the double blow of, one, being a woman, two, being a woman of colour, to be completely forgotten um, by society. And, yeah, and when you see a stereotypical pretty young white woman get the attention you you just can't help but feel cynicism and despair at not only the way our laws work and the police work but also the way society works and the way society reacts still um, and shows how far we've still got to go I don't want to go too far into it because I will go on for hours but yeah it's not good yeah no no and you know to be just to be clear both brad and i 
completely you know sympathize with that case and it's absolutely disgusting and it's great that it's that the only positive from it is that it's raised people's awareness but i think what we're saying is we have to be we have to take responsibility for it raising awareness about violence to all women and and not just a certain section of them so the takeaway is not that you know this particular woman who a certain section of society might be drawn to uh, has suffered this but that all women do and you know as i mentioned also on the other podcast a lot of lgbtq plus people as well so yes no it's just an important thing just wanted to echo that and get it out there again because it can never be said too much yeah. so other than that that's it for the week so hopefully you've had a good week and have a good week in prospect but from us that's it so stay tuned listen to our podcasts go back through the back episodes if you haven't write into podcast at mentalhealthgaming.com to have your questions read out or just to give feedback whichever you like shout at us talk about you know brad being a tyrant that sort of stuff yeah and other than that please just stay safe stay sane and take care Thank you.